Welcome to the Mislabeled Podcast, a podcast made by women, for women, and about women. Three ladies from different walks of life tackle the topics that nobody is talking about. So buckle up, babes, because here, nothing is off the table, unless you are on the table. Hello, everyone. This is Shweta Patel with the Mislabeled Podcast. So excited to have you guys here with my two lovely and beautiful co-hosts. To my right, I have Jessica Villegas. Hello, hello. And to my left, I have Ashley Rogers. Hello. I'm also to your right on my screen. Even better. Don't forget at the end of this episode to follow, like, love all the things and share with your friends and family so that we can keep this going. And today's topic is going to be sleep divorce. What do we think about it? Have we experienced it? And what are some of the potential benefits, pitfalls? Here we go. So let's start with uh, Jessica. So sleep divorce, Jessica, have you heard about it? No, I, no, I, it sounds kind of scary, like, or sad. (laughs) It does sound, I agree. It sounds kind of sad in that, you know, it's two things that we, one thing that we really want to enjoy and one thing that we never want to experience and you're bringing them together. How about you, Ashley? Yes, I I recently learned about sleep divorce when my husband was going through sleep studies for his snoring. I do not plan to sleep divorce my husband, though. I have no issue with people who want to sleep in separate beds, but I prefer to sleep in the same bed as my husband. When partners no longer sleep in the same bed, for various reasons, but... Primarily, the decision is that they sleep in separate beds and also in separate rooms. So contrary to what I thought it was originally, which is like just basically, you know, a throwback to the 50s. This is more of actually cohabiting a home, but not in the same room. Everybody in my life hasn't already doing it when it comes to like family members and parents and relatives that are older. It's kind of just what they already did. So I'm curious to hear about what the reasons are that precipitate it happening now in current day, you know, women in our, in our age group that might be considering it or experiencing it. What are your thoughts, Jessica? Well, first, I always thought that it was something that would happen before you got an actual divorce. It means that we have moved from marriage to roommate status to then out the front door. I don't know, but I can think of like a couple scenarios where it would make sense, right? Yeah. Like if you have a newborn baby and you're breastfeeding exclusively, then perhaps if you like agree upon it, you might want to just be in the nursery on a bed or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Or like in Ashley's case, maybe perhaps there's some like someone is very loud when they sleep. I don't know. Yeah. A cave troll. It seems interesting. Like I'm one of those people. I'm just like open to other people's life experiences and I just, I'll be curious about it, but. Yeah. I think that the areas that you described are probably more descriptive of what I was saying earlier in that I've already seen this happening in so much of my life with people Mm. in my life. And Mm. it's usually a product of some level of a compromise of a situation or it's a solution to a situation, right? Like you mentioned breastfeeding or a newborn and kind of having to, you know, or even a young child and kind of having to split up as a team and sleep in different rooms and sleep with the child or like 
I have so many patients who, when they are pregnant, they just can't seem to get comfortable with having somebody else in the bed. And so seventh or eighth month, it's like the husband packs the bags and goes to the couch because it's inevitably not going to be comfortable for them either. Pillows. Right. And the body heat. I mean, oh my God, it's like sleeping next to, you know, I'm told not that I've personally ever experienced pregnancy, but that it can be very uncomfortable. And so that's a solution to what I would say is like a temporary problem. Or in the instance of like my parents who it started out with them being one person was snoring very loud, though my mom will never admit that she was also one of the one people because both of them snored. <laughs> and oh, man. Um, right. Yeah, so, the world knows the truth. <laughs> yeah. And now it's official because we have it on a podcast. So yeah, like my parents started sleeping in, in different spaces because of it, or at least I think that's what they thought was culturally an acceptable reason to do that. But that wasn't a temporary solution by any means. And what I'm curious to hear is like when people are making a decision to do that now beyond a temporary solution, like what are some of the scenarios you guys can think of where it could be a very optimal and copacetic decision to make as a couple? I think it is an evolution of the she shed, right? Like, it's a- <laughs> yes, can I have, I want Yes. So, you know, it started, what, when did the she shed thing start? Like a decade or so ago? I thought it's been around for a while. They just finally coined it. But I knew because that's when I had a kid. Yeah. And like, so you get to this point where nothing is yours anymore, right? <laughs> like I walk into my bedroom and my kid's shit is all over the floor. I, my daughter rips down as soon as she comes home, throws her clothes on my floor you know, my room is also my husband's room. So his stuff's everywhere. This is my office, but his stuff is everywhere. And you, you've lost any space that's just yours. Oof. And you're giving me anxiety just thinking about it. (laughs) Soul sucking, I think. So I think for, I feel very passionate about this. I think for a lot of, especially women, it's a space that's theirs right? That like, you don't get to come in here unless it's for the sexy times for husband or wife or whoever that is partner. Kids don't come in here. This is my space. I'm going to put what I want on TV and I'm going to get a great night's sleep. I'm going to hide my snacks in here. I'm going to hide my snacks in here. Basically creating a bunker that just doesn't involve your family. That's why I'm saying it's an evolution. (laughs) You get a restful night's sleep and you are a pleasant wife and mother the next day. Yeah. I see no issues here. (laughs) I think the boundary thing is a huge thing that you're just describing right now, which is like, it has nothing to do with just your bed or just your bedroom. It's a matter of feeling that sense of losing yourself when you are in a unit of other people and also known as a family or partnership. I mean, like you love your significant other less. It doesn't mean you don't want to have sex. It means you want a space that's yours and you want a whole night of damn sleep. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jessica? Any scenarios where you can be like, yeah, no, this is just a a prelude to something bad is happening. Well, what if like you have, were like night, like opposite work schedules or whatever. Yeah. Like if you're a doctor and you're working overnights, nurse, or maybe a truck driver and you're coming in at like odd hours. Yeah. um, And you don't want to disturb the other person. 
Yeah. But maybe you're not even coming home to sleep at that point. I think those people sleep during the day. Right. In which case it's more like a chronological divorce of sleep variety. (laughs) Well, there's that. There's a sleeping divorce part, which sounds like both of you agree that there are virtues to this concept. And there are obviously scenarios where it is just what it is without any implication of good or bad. And then, of course, there are times where it is the stepping stone or the divorce light version, because it is that intimacy is starting to fade and you don't actually even enjoy having that person in your space even once in a while. And that's why you're making a solution of creating this whole new space, including separate rooms, a separate bed. Do we feel the same way about living in separate homes? No, no, I don't. Okay, Ashley, go. Oh boy. You mean like purposely, right? Not, uh-huh. Hey, I got a job in New York. I'm going to be living there for six months and then. No, like, uh-huh. Hey, I have a job in New York that I love and it's never going to go to Chicago or to San Francisco. It's always going to be in New York and I'm going to stay here and you visit. And the other person's like, cool. I really like it in Florida and my family's here. So I'll stay here. And you I mean, visit. I know lots of people being in a military family. I know a lot of women who stayed in one place with their kids while their husband went on deployment or and even moved to other places because they wanted to keep their kids there. Mm-hmm. At that point, though, I think, you know, having sex and then watching TV and then going to different beds to get a good night's sleep is very different to me than just like, let's live separate. Like, I don't know. For me, that's, I don't know. I have a lot of like mixed feelings in here about that. Yeah. yeah. How about you, like, Jessica? Where's the, where's the intimacy in sharing lives, right? right I think right. that for everybody, not the same. I mean, I don't think that marriage is necessarily linear, right? Like everyone has to follow this path in order for it to be like an actual marriage or whatever. But I just think that when you live separate lives and you have separate groups of friends, you have separate day-to-day interactions, you're eating separate meals. You're like, what are you sharing? Right. Mm -hmm. How are you sharing your life with someone when like, you really don't know too much. That's interesting that you say that. I couldn't agree more what you're describing. Now we've just gone past just sleeping and or even living apart, we're coming back full circle to living together, but not actually sharing an intimate space, not a physical space, but like just the interaction and engagement that comes with being in a partnership with somebody. And as you're seeing that immediately, what came to mind was so many of my patients, I would ask them like, so you know, how's your relationship with your spouse, partner, boyfriend, whatever. And they would be like, it's fine. First of all, any woman who says fine, right? Thank you. (laughs) I I say that to every, every gentleman that ever says fine to me. I'm like, please learn this now and don't ever practice this word in front of a female because it immediately means something different to women than it does to men. It means barely tolerable, but will continue to smile and nod my head as opposed to it's copacetic. Let's keep moving. Right. No, I, I, I have a lot of respect for my coach who is a male. You know, he asked me one day, how are things going? And I said, it's fine. And I've never received a call so fast. 
Nope. I know. I know. What's wrong? <laughs> Going back to talking to patients and realizing like when they say it's fine and, you know, as a woman, me being like, wait, what's wrong? Like, and hearing them describe their routine or their day to day where they're so consumed by all the things that are necessary. Got up, got the kids ready for school, dropped the kids off. You know, a husband went to work or a partner went to work. Mm-hmm. I went to work, then ran errands, came back, made dinner for the kids, helped the kids with schoolwork. Then we went to bed because we were exhausted. And it's like, do you guys have an opportunity to interact? Not even talk, but to interact, like where it doesn't involve an actual <laughs> but, life. Yeah. So, and that's, it's, it's so interesting because we all fall into that where we just go into that zombie mode, but is that the very, very beginning of what then becomes like divorce of life? Because without necessarily a legal process, but that two people have completely live, started to live parallel lives, even if they are not doing it actively, but in a passive way, simply because they are no longer coming up with scenarios to engage with each other. And I think that people who live in separate homes can still be more engaged than people who live in the same home and are have become a part of that day-to-day hamster wheel. Yeah, I, I think it's more of what is the reason that this sort of scenario is developing. I think life is so transactional when you become a family unit, which also... Like, how can you have a marriage and if you choose to have children and then still live in separate cities, right? The impact that that would have on your kids, not growing up, having you there on a regular basis. too. Yeah. Not just like a temporary solution, like Ashley was saying, with deployments or PCSs, as we call them, you know, permanent change of duty station. Like it's not a temporary solution or an offsetting of a few months where family reunites. Like if this is a perpetual solution. But even when you're living together and you are in a season of transaction, I think it's important. And I don't even know if this question was asked, but I'm just throwing it out there is to acknowledge that we are in a transactional state and we are both very stressed and we promise to find ways to connect. Right. Like my husband and I, perfect example, like I'm growing a business We have three kids and the kids are all in different ages. So it isn't like all of them are in this one place together, right? They're in different places. They have different schedules. I have different schedules with clients and he has a pretty predictable schedule. So we have a tendency to get transactional. He comes home. We eat dinner. I don't know. Okay. I was just going to ask, like, can you elaborate on what you mean by transactional? Because I'm totally thinking like sex worker. Like, no, it's, right. it's very, it's very, work, as Ashley said last time, very regimented. It's you wake up in the morning, you get ready, you kiss goodbye. He goes to work. I manage kids in business building all day. He comes home. Most of the time he cooks dinner. Then he watches TV and I oftentimes come back into my office. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of interaction that happens that's Do you guys talk about it? Like, hey, we've become this way, but this is not going to be our new baseline. We're doing this as a, you know. No, I mean, we've never really, and we maybe we should, but it hasn't necessarily become a thing where we've become numb to one another or we're, you know, feeling disconnected. And usually when we are feeling a little disconnected, we very naturally gravitate to a connection point. Yeah. 
like either we both notice it or one of us notices it and we figure it out. Sure. Yeah. Like it's a date night. I think that's probably the difference. Right. Like an active effort to re-engage. However, you know, long that might be, however in depth or fancy or not fancy or just coexisting peacefully and enjoying each other's company, that may be, it's an effort taken to show your partner that there is a purpose to being in this partnership or why not just go it alone? I mean, there are relationship coaches out there and experts who say like, you have to be intentional and you should every single day kiss or hug for this long or every single day connect when you go to bed together. However, my husband and I, we don't go to bed together. So we connect in other ways throughout the day, smaller ways, like he'll text me and ask me how the day is going and I'll ask it how his is going. So he's acknowledging, you know, that I'm home with kids and juggling so many things. But yeah, I think it's, it really is unique to each, you know, each couple, Mm -hmm. whether they live together apart, they sleep together or they don't, or they live parallel lives to make that active effort to make sure that the relationship stays alive. Because if you're not like fanning those flames, right. And you're not adding wood to the fire. (laughs) Yeah. You eventually end up with just smoke and ashes, right? Yeah. That's I don't know. Justin and I get in bed. And I was just going to ask, like, do you guys go to bed at the same time, Ashley? We do. We do. We, well, I would say we always, we always have when he wasn't working the night shift, when he was a CNC operator, he was working the night shift. So obviously we didn't go to bed at the same time, but we always do go to bed at the same time. We usually have kids up though until we're going to bed like in yeah. our room let's watch sailor moon let's watch this and we're just like yeah and then the kids fall asleep and we look at each other and we go that was freaking crazy but i'm so glad i'm doing this with you right so we acknowledge that like yeah we maybe didn't get to do one-on-one time tonight we didn't get to watch what we wanted to watch i did want to watch sailor moon though so that was <laughs> um, but we know that this is a season of young kids and we talk very often about how our marriage has to come before the kids because there will be a day when I don't want to look over at my husband and be like I don't know you because we've just been taking care of kids for 20 years I have a coach or um, I had a coach that would say that that having the partnership between the two people has to come first Mm -hmm. because through it comes the energy that sustains everything else that you do independent of each other like you know, when people put work before their partner or they put their children before their partner, it's almost considered noble because it's like, well, we both are doing that. We both are putting martyrdom. Right. (laughs) But it's like, what you're actually doing is you are slowly taking pieces of your own like lifeboat and throwing them into the water and saying, you're making the weight of this lifeboat lighter, (laughs) but you're compromising your lifeboat. And I think that that kind of goes missed in, in so many scenarios of relationship, not just romantic variety, but, and then I think that you guys are mentioning the, you know, going to bed together and not going to bed together. I personally think that that is, unless there is a specific reason that it can't be avoided for me, I would immediately start presuming that there is a concern in the relationship if my partner was to not come to bed with me. And obviously it's a meaning that I'm making about it, right? But it would have be a discussion that's necessary because to me, I immediately perceive that as you'd rather sit alone 
and watch TV, then come to bed with me and be intimate, like not just on a sexual level, but just like to be within each other's embrace and to be physically near each other. And so I think that's just one of the important things that I consider as like a benchmark or a temperature check of the relationship. I'm not implying that that is obviously a temperature check universally and that something needs to be changed if you know somebody in our audience or as Jessica was saying, you guys go to bed at a different times. It's all in the understanding that happens between two people and the meaning that they make of it, I, I think. And mm-hmm. so how do we feel about sex then? We were talking about sleep divorce and, you know, home divorce. And so who gets to pick which bed or which house or, you know, what determines that? Take it away, Jessica. Who gets to choose? Who gets to wear what? And I don't know. Like, I guess. Okay. So you mean if people are sleep divorced? Yeah. Like if you're playing at like Downton Abbey or like the Royal family, where do you have sex? Is there a dedicated room? Is there a third room? Is there a sex room in between? Oh my God, this shit just got really better. The door that connects. So you're telling me that both of you wake up rested. In the middle. And either of you can watch whichever TV show you want if you practice bad sleep hygiene, that is. And you don't have to feel hot or too cold based on the other person. And you get to have a sex room. You get to have a sex room. Sign me up. Why why aren't more people doing this? The royal family had to figure it out. I think they did. But, you know, if you don't have kids, you don't have to have sex in the bedroom. You can have sex. Truth. Want. Yeah. It's kind of frowned upon, though, when kids are living around. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. I guess to kind of say, go around the table, I think it sounds like we all seem to think that sleep divorce, house divorce, you know, intimate space divorce, all of it really just means means something different depending on what the intention is behind it. And it could be an amazing thing, kind of like having separate bathrooms, which was like the best invention ever. Why did ever anybody share a bathroom, right? But I wonder if there was a time where people debated like, oh, you guys don't share the same bathroom. Like you don't get to see them taking a dump while you're showering. How do you guys ever (laughs) engage in anything? The big question too is why do we feel like a healthy marriage means sleeping in the same bed. Is it just because that's what we've always been told and what people have always done? If you're not going to bed at the same time and you're not waking up at the same time, does it matter if you're sleeping in the same bed? You know, like that's in the, that's a slippery slope that we kind of keep going back into, which is, well, why does it matter if people live in the same house? I think that's the biggest. Right. Are your needs and your partner's needs in the marriage being met. If they are, you do you, boo. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to make sense to me. And therein lies the concern, I think, is that to our audience members, be sure to reflect on whether you are doing what's necessary for, you know, yourself as an individual. And because I think too often women are prone to thinking, well, no, I can't do that because that'll compromise the relationship, even if it might bring me more comfort or happiness or whatnot. And having these kinds of discussions, not just with your partner, but it could even be a discussion with your children where it's like, this is what we're going to do differently because this will allow for me to get my needs met without necessarily impacting your needs negatively. Or if it is, let's figure out a way to kind of change that so that everybody walks away feeling empowered and and not like they've been compromised 
And rather than sleeping next to a partner that is constantly kicking you and snoring so loud that you feel like you're sleeping in a zoo and then just being upset in the morning and angry and cranky and like paying it forward with that, you know, short fuse. What environment allows you to show up as your best self? Would your partner rather you sleep with them in the same bed and then be grumpy and angry all day? Or would they rather you be well rested? Right. No. Would your family rather you continue to not take that hour a day or two hours a day to go work out, go take care of your health, and then you are declining in your well-being physically, emotionally, mentally, and then that has an impact on them? Or would they rather be like, yeah, mom, just go to bar class, please? Yeah. No. I coach a lot of moms who harbor a lot of guilt for working out, for taking that time. Yeah. I do that with my dogs. I'm like, oh man, I just came home. They're looking at me. I know what they're saying. They're like, for real? You're getting back in the car and leaving? Like seriously? And I'm like, guys, I want to have some wine tonight. I got to go to gym. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be taking care of ourselves. We can't be the best in our lives for the people that we take care of as natural nurturers. We can't do that if we don't nurture ourselves, right? Absolutely. Well, so this is coming to a very overall well-rounded end, I think you can say, which somehow it comes back always to women. Take a second, check in with yourselves, make sure you are living from a place of empowerment, but really coming back to it, you know, from all the things that we discussed today with Ashley, Jessica, myself, it comes down to if you are not nurturing the roots of this tree, which is you, there is no way you're going to be impacting all those tiny branches that sprout from them upwards and outwards in as much of a way that you want to, because you're compromising yourself. So you need to nurture those seeds in order to bloom. Did somebody say boom? (laughs) All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much, everybody and our audience for listening to us. This is Mislabeled Podcast out. Thanks for tuning in to the Mislabeled Podcast. Be sure to hit the follow button after you finish leaving us a review. Till next time.